Welcome to Cherry Hibiscus Tea, where we meet the artists behind the words. Here with us today is Drew Jordan. For those of you out there meeting Drew for the first time, Drew is your typical Aquarius sun, Scorpio moon, Leo rising, black, queer, non-binary enigma. Residing in the Lone Star State, hailing from ATL, they are a school counselor, art creative by passion, and a writer, life engineer by purpose. Drew is the voice behind Amor Jumay and the founder of the Dallas-based Masculine of Center social group, Boys AF. Drew has been published in two LGBT erotica anthologies, Skittles, Taste the Rainbow, and Black Cherry. Drew is a sloth-loving fashion enthusiast sneakerhead who loves helping people on their life journey. Their life motto is, see the love in the thunderstorm and watch your life light up. For those of you who are meeting Drew for the first time, first of all, Drew, welcome. Thank you. We're so glad that you are here with us today to, to just talk. For those of you who are meeting Drew for the first time, Drew is non-binary. Drew, please tell us what that term means to you. Um, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the word non-binary because um, it can mean a lot of different things and look a lot of different ways for um, different people who use the term. Um, I would say that that word means that I'm a human Ken doll. And when I say that, if you've ever played with Barbies, um, Ken has like masculine features, but in between Ken's legs, there's nothing. Um, so I like to say that um, I'm a human Ken doll because what's between my legs doesn't matter. Um, but I also am masculine presenting. So um, non-binary, it just means that um, I am definitely not a she, I'm not a girl, not a woman, not any of that. Um, I just identify more along uh, the masculine spectrum, but I don't totally identify as a man. So I'm some sort of alien in between. <laughs> I'm going to go with what little bit I know of astrology and calling oneself an alien. That's a very Aquarian trait, is it not? It is. Um, I've been calling myself <laughs> an alien for years now. Um, and I have one friend um, who, that's her name for me. She's had it for at least over 10 years and I embrace it. Um, I have a friend that calls me weirdo. I embrace that too. My um, one of my Instagram handles name is uh, Weird Simba. So I love being different. I love being Aquarius. I love being an alien. Um, release me from this planet. <laughs> um, I, I just love being different and unique. I see. I see. As soon as as soon as I saw alien, I said, "Yeah, that's that's very Aquarius. Very Aquarius." <laughs> So other than being an alien, Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where, let's see, about myself. So um, 
I would say that I'm a humanitarian by nature. I love helping people. Um, by trade, I am a school counselor. I work in the elementary field. Um, I used to be a special ed teacher for three years. Um, I am a sneakerhead. I love fashion. I love to take pictures. I love to shop. Um, I'm a writer. <laughs> um, that's that's by nature. Um, I've been writing for years now. Um, I started, I guess, professionally writing when I was about 11 years old. Um, there was a newspaper in Atlanta for teenagers called The Box. And my mom got me into that program and I became a writer for them. Um, and I just, I've always like had a diary and just would write stories or poetry. And um, that's just like what I like to do. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a hard time, you know, like explaining myself, but there's many different compartments to myself. So I never know exactly what to tell people. <laughs> um, I'm also not like an open book. Um, I come across people often saying that it's hard to get to know me. And um, that's because I'm not an open book. I like for people to um, like not figure me out, but just, you know, make it natural and not try to ask me like the surface level questions. I like to go deeper. Um, so it's a little bit hard trying to you know, keep it surface surface level and tell people who I am because I'm much more deeper than that. Uh, so what you're saying is I have my work cut out for me today, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think everybody always has their work cut out for them when they come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try to do good by you today. <laughs> okay. okay so i just want to double back i'm going to go a little bit deeper into your writing and the origins of drew as a writer i just want to take it back to um you being non-binary and i promise not to linger too long on that when did you realize oh thank you thank you when did you realize that you were non-binary um, I think coming to grips with the term, um, was in my, like, early 30s. Um, I've always felt like I wasn't a girl. Like, I was the typical, well, not typical, but I was the child who, um, my mom would, you know, do my hair and I have, like, 511 plaits in my head and she would put little bows and barrettes on it put me in cute little outfits and, and she'll you know drop me off at my aunt's house or something like that and when she picked me up I had been climbing trees playing outside in the mud hanging with all the boys um I was that child growing up um I never felt comfortable um in the clothes that my mom put me in but I never really I never really had any terms or anything that I could accurately express who I was. When I was in um, high school in my early 20s, I called myself a faggy boy. <laughs> um, I identified more as being a gay male, um, meaning that um, 
I presented masculine, but I also had feminine ways. And so for the longest, I used to call myself baggy boy because I didn't have any word to um, to my liking that described me. I'm, I'm very particular about words that describe me and like names and things of that nature. So um, I don't know. I think I've always felt like I was different, but I just didn't learn about different identities and sexualities until I got older and was exposed to the community. Gotcha. Do you find that people make assumptions about you? Yes, um, all the time. Um, it, it was funny because I just had an um, experience on Saturday with one of my um, friends um, especially when it comes to my uh, sexuality and people that I date. So because I am masculine presenting and because I do identify as being masculine, um, people like to assume that I only date um, feminine women, and that's not the case at all. Um, I can say that growing up in um, – growing more into my sexuality in high school. Okay, so I just want to start here. Um, <laughs> so in ninth grade, my best friend in the middle of gym class, um, we were sitting on the uh, floor and she was like, hey, you gay. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. She was like, um, you like girls. And I never really thought about it. Like I've had crushes I will have crushes on girls and like teachers, but I never put two and two together. Like, oh, this crush could mean that I feel this way about, you know, women or anything like that. I was that kid that just, you know, always went along with how I felt and not, I, I didn't really put labels on different things. So um, once he said that, then I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, okay, maybe we are. <laughs> Um, I didn't necessarily have, like, a strong attraction to um, men or males or boys or whatever at the time. Um, I did have a boyfriend the previous year, but I'm the type of person when I like somebody, um, it's usually just them. I don't just like – I wouldn't say that I'm pansexual. I wouldn't say that at all, but – I guess during that time, like, I will only like a certain person as opposed to a gender, if that makes sense. So, um, yes, people do often assume um, that I date only feminine women, but I have also in my lifetime dated studs, soft studs. Um, I've dated trans men. Um, and... Like that's that's where my limit goes. I am a I am still a virgin. I have never had sex with a man. Um, I think some men are beautiful, like Odell Beckham, that is my boyfriend. But it's those type of um, assumptions that when I started speaking, when I start speaking, and I tell my truth, they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like you know, you can you like who you like. It is, doesn't have to be a certain." person or you have to have certain uh requirements or anything but yeah people can look at me and they automatically assume certain things about me 
Now, this is a cherry hibiscus tea first. Um, usually I go ahead and ask uh, our guest about their coming out story, but, and I've heard a few coming out stories by now, but I don't think that a coming out story has ever started out with someone just randomly one day told me I was gay. That's a first. But you know what? I, when people ask me, so how did you come out? And I'm like, I never came out. Like, like there was no big announcement. There was no, you know, I just always did me. Like, if I liked you, then I liked you. And that's what I was rolling with it. Um, even when she told me that, you know, that I was gay, she felt like I was gay. I still didn't like date girls until probably like a year later. Um, I remember when I was like 16, um, I was at, I was actually at this girl's house that liked me, but I didn't like her back like that, but it was her birthday and she wasn't really popular. So I was doing, you know, being a humanitarian, we're going to celebrate your birthday with you. That's what I was doing. Um, my mom, I had a journal that I used to keep all the letters from the girls that I was dating in this little, uh, notebook. And for some reason, my crazy self left it on the ironing board and she found it. And she read all of it. <laughs> and so she called my dad and was like, bring me home now. And I'm like, uh, what, what is really going on? And so she came in, you know, sat me down and she was like super upset. And she was like, are you gay? And I was like, nah. And she was like, what is all these letters from these girls? And, you know, you kissing them? And I'm like, mm, does that mean I'm gay? Like, I, I never like wanted to put a label on anything. I just wanted to do what I did because I didn't identify as a lesbian and like gay to me meant that you were like a gay man. So I didn't know about like queer and everything else. So I was like, no, nah, I just, you know, I like girls. <laughs> so um, if that's what being gay is, I guess mom, but yeah, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really come out. I think I've been outed, yeah, <laughs> but I never came out. Um, apparently, it wasn't a family secret either, um, but I'm the person, like, I do what I want to do. I dress how I want to dress, and I've never been girly at all my entire life, so it was pretty much a no-brainer for me. Um, now, like, as far as, like, that aspect of coming out, coming out as trans, that could be totally different but I even then I still don't have a coming out story for that I just like I just do what I do you know I'll let people know this is how I identify and you know they're gonna have to roll with it or they don't but I've never been like I gotta tell people and nah I don't even know what that looks like for me <laughs> I, that's that's not who I am that makes perfect sense um Another thing that I was discussing with another guest, we were saying how kids these days, the younger generation, like they, they don't have like the same sort of torturous coming out that we did like back in the day. Like there was no big secret. It's just kind of like, boom, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. Um, and it's just, sometimes it's like, there's just no big story about it. And I don't want to like call myself old or anything, but as a part of a generation that like did not have that ease of coming out and actually had a little bit of hand wringing, like just hearing these stories of kids just coming into who they are like naturally. 
it's inspiring to me. Yeah, I had a um, I had a kid last year in the school that I was at. Um, he was just, and this was a fifth grader, and he was just, he he never said that he was gay, but his actions, um, kind of said it all, and his mannerisms, and you know, he would get caught with other little boys, and you know that type of thing, and you know, I had to pull him to the side, and I wasn't trying to. Um, dim his light or anything at all, but I wanted him to know that when you are comfortable in being who you are, like you still need to put kind of like boundaries on yourself because he would openly say to other little boys, you know, hey, I like you or I want to kiss you or something like that. I'm like, not everybody is going to accept that. And you may find yourself in difficult situations that you don't want to be in. Like um, there was this other little boy um, that they were rumored to have kissed in the bathroom. And this little boy used to always try to fight him. And I said, hey, you got to protect yourself in doing stuff. Like if you know that there are these rumors going around, um, you have to you know, maneuver your way that you won't be caught in private with this person because they're going to react a certain way, even if what is rumored is to be true. Like there's a certain, um, I feel like in public settings, especially school settings where it's kind of frowned upon, especially elementary, because they don't talk about um, being LGBT, they wait until middle school for that, but we have, you know, kids young as three, four, you know, identifying as trans or identifying as whatever, so we have to, in my opinion, we have to start that conversation younger, but being in public schools, or just schools in general, they don't feel like it's necessary because of the adults who are uncomfortable with it. And um, this kid, um, he was at risk of being expelled and put into a behavior school because of his sexuality. And I had to go for bat for him because of the things that were being said about him. And administration um, were older and they were religious and they just didn't want that in their school. So, you know, I had to sit him down and be like, you know, it's cool that you are proud of who you are and you want, you know, everyone to love you and you just want to be yourself. But this world is not kind to people like us. And I had to tell him like, Hey, this, this administration is out to get you. You have to cover your tracks and watch your back because there's only so much that I can do. And I don't think that, you know, parents or, you know, any kind of guardian or, um, any type of mentor talk to these kids about um, being who they are, but also being mindful of the world that we live in. And I think that that's so, so, so important. Drew, what led you to want to mentor other people, not just children, but like adults, mentor to, to be a leader, to be a light worker? What led you to that? What led me to that? I don't think 
I was led. I think I was forced. <laughs> um, I've always been the person that everyone comes to to talk about whatever transgressions or problems or anything that they want to talk to. Strangers, like strangers, will come up and tell me their life story, and I would just sit there and be like, what? Um, I can tell you when I started to take my purpose seriously um, was in, I think it was like 2007. And um, my cousin was opening up a hair salon and her friend, Miss Barbara, who's an evangelist, was supposed to pray over her shop. And at the time I was having my issues with, you know, religion and believing in God and all this other stuff. Um, so my cousin had brought me with her and she knew, she knew who, you know, Miss Barbara was. I didn't know Miss Barbara, never met her. It was the first time meeting her and we went over her house to have lunch. And so after lunch, um, she was like, okay, we're all going to pray and we're going to pray for the shop and, you know, wish her success and all this other stuff. So I'm sitting down while they, you know, go off and pray. And Ms. Barbara's like, no, you need to come to this. You know, this is a family thing and we want all the love and energy that we can get. And I'm like, all right, cool, sure, whatever. So we get up, we're in a circle. It's um, it's four of us. So I am holding Ms. Barber's right hand with my left hand. And I'm holding another cousin's hand with my um, right hand, if you can imagine that. So Ms. Barbara starts to pray, and then she starts, like, speaking in tongues or whatever, and she stops. And she turns to me, and she was like, I'm getting a message, and I'm supposed to talk to you. So I'm looking at her like, what? <laughs> a message from who? What are you talking about? And she was like, I'm getting a message, and I'm supposed to talk to you. And so she's asking me different questions um, about things that she thinks are happening in my life. And I'm just sitting here looking at her because the questions that she's asking me are things that are happening in my life. And I'm trying to figure out how she knows this because I've never met her, never heard of her name, never nothing. And my cousin is holding her hand and she was like, yep, yep, that's right, that's right. And I'm like, what is going on here? So she continues to pray and she stops again. And she was like, I am receiving so much energy from you. Like, I'm literally shaking. She lets go of my hand. And the hand that I was holding is visibly shaking while her other hand that she was holding with my cousin is not. And I could feel the energy, like, going through our hands, but I wasn't paying to no attention. Like, I'm just, you know, sitting going through the motions or whatever. I'm not paying to no attention. And she was like, um you're supposed to speak to the people. And I'm like, speak to what people? Like, what are you talking about? She was like, you're supposed to speak to people and you have a message to give to everyone. And I'm like, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. You sound crazy. You're speaking in tongues. Your hand is shaking. I don't know what's happening here. And she was like, you need to follow your purpose. Your purpose is to help the people. And I'm like, okay, sure got you whatever lady and so from then on I just started getting messages like okay so don't think I'm weird but you can think I'm weird so there is a spirit that follows me the spirit is not bad 
the spirit is not trying to hurt me or anything like that. But when I need to pay attention to things, it shows up in different ways. And so there's this feeling that I get when I'm supposed to speak to people. Um, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't explain it. I just get an urge and it could be somebody in passing. It could be somebody that like somebody on my social media that I, you know, randomly see, but this person that I'm supposed to speak to will always keep showing up until I speak to them or until they speak to me and whatever message I'm supposed to deliver. I just know it. I say it. And however they use it is on them. But I've had so many cases of this happening and people coming back and telling me what you said was right. What you said was true. How did you know that this was going to happen? And I can't tell them how I knew. I just know. Um, from that, when I get things on my heart that I'm supposed to say, I put it out into the universe. I used to um, send inspirational morning messages out to people in my phone and people would get mad when I wouldn't send them, but I can't, when I write, when I write anything, it has to come from the heart. I can't just sit down and just knock out different, you know, posts or messages or stories or whatever. It has to be something that I'm meant to say. And so from there, um, I just get different opportunities to speak. And now, um, now that I'm in counseling, um, it just like brings my purpose to the forefront. But now I'm looking at other avenues of how I can um, reach more people and help more people. Sorry if I'm talking so long. No, no, you, you were not talking too long and I absolutely loved what you had to say. Now your life motto is one that I found very interesting. And I just wanted to remind our listeners, see the love in the thunderstorm and watch your life light up. What was your inspiration there? And what does that phrase mean to you? Um, my inspiration for that is that there are a lot of people that promote um, success and happiness and, oh, just, you know, change your thoughts and you'll be happy or whatever. I personally believe is when that you're going through a, th a thunderstorm, when your world is upside down, when you are spiraling out of control, that is when you need to look at what is going on and feel the love in that moment because that's when you get key um, items that you're supposed to listen to in order for you to grow from whatever it is that you're in. I am, I love, first of all, I love thunderstorms. That's where I get my energy. Um, when there are thunderstorms happening um, anywhere I am, I go outside. That's the energy that I feed off of. It gives me life. So um, I use that in my motto because I think a lot of people think of thunderstorms as being dark and dangerous. And people don't realize that 
darkness is the place that everything grows from. Just think about when you're a baby and you're inside the womb. There's no light in there, but you're growing. You're getting stronger. You're getting bigger. You're doing everything that you need to do. When you plant something, it's in the dirt. There's no light. But somehow that whatever you planted grows into something beautiful. So I believe that when you are in a place of darkness, you have to search for the light in order to grow into what it is that you're supposed to um, move on to the next level to be. I feel like somebody out there really needed to hear that message, that very powerful message. Thank you so much, Drew. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I can't remember. I, I did have a question like somewhere in there when you were talking, but it just escaped my mind. So I'm just going to pivot on to your writing if, that, if that's okay. 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 All right. So, Drew, I just want to do a hard pivot and discuss writing. Like, I love writing. I know you love writing. And um, who is your literary hero? Like, what is it about this author whose work that you find compelling? I want to say Tomei Adeyemi. Um, and I say that because I love her um, ser series of um, Children of Blood and Bone. I love how she um, encompasses spirituality in her books and she um, has Arishas in there and she tells a story of how um, a little girl like fights to bring magic back for her tribe, for her people. And it gives you different, um, I think it connects like different abilities that people can identify with. And um, they can like see themselves in, in her work. And it really like, I'm really into magic and spirituality. So that book was like one of my favorite um favorite books that I really like. I also like um, William Paul Young, the author of The Shack. And I love his work because, like I said, I struggled for a long time with uh, religion and believing in a higher power. But his book, um, The Shack, and also Eve, breaks down um, biblical stories in a way that you don't feel like ostracized if you don't have faith in Christianity. Um, it also breaks it down in a way that everybody can understand and puts a different perspective um, on what those characters and what those stories actually mean. So um, it, it breaks away from the norm. And I think because of who I am, I don't like uh, just the regular, regular stories. <laughs> and I like when people put their spin on different things. Drew, when did you realize that you had a talent for writing? Um, 
I realized I had a talent for writing maybe when I was like 10 or 11. Um, that's when I really started um, getting into writing poems and writing stories. And I just wanted to, my goal was to be in somebody's newspaper. I wanted to um, have a column in the newspaper. I used to always get the newspaper and just read the different columns and um, see what people were talking about and um, just try to figure out like their own little niche that they had. Um, I can't, I can't even remember like even in like elementary or anything um, being like recognized for my writing or whatever, but I've also been a bookworm since I could read. So I think a lot of um, the, the reason why I love writing so much is because I love reading so much. Um, I think those two go hand in hand and just being able to tell a story and have the reader put themselves in the story um, is one of the big things for me when reading and writing. Um, it's important for me that my readers can actually visualize and feel what I'm writing. So I think I didn't really take it seriously until, like I said, um, I was in the teen um, newspaper and I was actually getting like assignments. And I felt like I was actually on, you know, a real newspaper. I mean, it was, but, you know, like I was big time. When I got, I remember when I got my first publication and my mom, like, found all the newspapers she could find and she was passing them out at work. She had it up on her um, little desk and everything. And I felt like I was big time. Like, you can't tell me that I wasn't in the New York Times. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that, that that's some of the earliest uh, memories I have of knowing that, yeah, this is my thing. This is what I want to do. Now, I just want to take it back to you saying that, and I'm just going to make a comment, um, which you're, you're not aware of, but as soon as you said that, I was like, I have to mention that just because it's perfect for what we're talking about right now. You mentioned how like you want your readers to, to feel like they're, you want them to, to feel uh, what you feel, like feel what the character's feeling, like to feel like they're, they're there, they're part of the story. And um, I was interviewing Erica, the narrator, we were just having like a little offshoot discussion. And she was saying how, um, like in all of the, the books that she's narrated, like she's always had to be someone else. Like she's always had to um, take on a specific voice or like a specific uh, character's mannerisms to really embody that character. And she was telling me how, like when she was reading for Sky for the first time uh, for our anthology, she really felt like she was Sky. Hmm. And, um, and she felt that that was like, that was powerful. Like, cause she was seeing herself represented for the first time, like in a, in a piece of fiction that she read. And like you, she, she likes to read like the, the different, um, 
the different stories, like paranormal, paranormal stories, like different characters, angels, demons, like that sort of um, that sort of thing. So that's something I wanted to pass along to you. I appreciate her even feeling like that. I'm kind of honored. <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now. Um, I can say that I I feel like I'm a bit of a chameleon. So I'm able to take on different like personalities, different um, voices. Like I'm always talking to one of my uh, good friends, Dawn, and sometimes when we're talking, depends on what she says, like I'll just break out in a different um, voice or a character. And she's like, where did that come from? I was like, I don't know, but if I stop it now, it's gonna go away. <laughs> um, Robin Williams was one of the most amazing, uh, I don't even know what to call them, like voices or whatever, but like I used to mimic him when I was younger um, to, you know, become different people with my voice. And I think when I'm writing, um, I want to create a character that people can identify with. Um, I know that sometimes like queer people get, um, they're underrated in writing and it's usually like a certain type of heteronormative tone to it. And I try to like get away from that and try to think of everybody who I think that isn't represented um, in stories and put them in my stories so it can feel very familiar and they can see themselves. I know like um, one of the things I've always said, like people always say, oh, I love the L word and you know, that's my favorite show. And I'm like, I never could get with it because I don't see me represented in any of you know the shows and when it comes to me i want everyone to feel like they can see themselves in anything that i do so that is really special to me that she was able to read the character and feel like it was meant for her and she could you know knock it out because she felt felt like it was her i really appreciate that i'm happy to to make your day uh, you've been an awesome guest. I have more questions, like just a few more questions, and then I'll let you go. But um, I have one more question coming up before I get to my favorite part of the show, which you'll, you don't know about yet, but you'll find out about in just a moment. Drew, are you working on, <laughs> you're laughing already. <laughs> just keep that energy, keep that energy up. <laughs> <laughs> are you working on any upcoming projects any current projects um yes i am forever working on projects um i am in chorus so there's a billion things that i try to do at one time <laughs> um currently i have my own personal blog um amorajomay.com that i have um i do a lot of like soul work when I post on there. Um, so it's a lot, it's a lot of me being open and honest and speaking my truth. Um, what else do I have going on? Um, I'm also building, building my personal brand um, with Weird Simba and just becoming um, a voice for the people. 
I just today was asked to be a co-host of a podcast that's developing. So I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And my last project that I am taking on is um, getting my clothing label off the ground. So we're trying to take baby steps, but it's a lot going on right now. (laughs) I can imagine. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just, I guess I love to hear black queer creatives, like with their hands in multiple pots. Like we don't just write, like we like to create things. I just kind of feel like there is a creative soul in all of us. And sometimes it comes out in one way or another, like different mediums. I just love hearing that. Okay, so now, now is my favorite part of the show, which Drew is gonna find out about. <laughs> just keep that, just keep that same energy going. <laughs> um, I, what happened? I said, I'm low key nervous. Don't be nervous, don't be nervous. This part of the show is called The Tea, where I ask a question of our guest and we all get to sip some tea on our guest. Um, So I could ask a serious question or I could ask a silly question. And today I wanted to ask you kind of sort of a silly question. Okay. Do you have a real life Nina? Do I have a real life Nina? Um, Nina was um, written for someone, yes. Um, All of my stories is going to have a real life person um, attached to them. Um, But... Nina, that that was uh that was a while ago. Um, Nina, Nina is not my Nina now. <laughs> if that makes sense, um, I actually wrote another story for my real life um person, and um, it's it's one that she asked if I was going to publish it, but I think it's personal um so i don't want to publish it but um the story is called she is god and um she's this person she's read um my other work and she said that she could tell the growth um from me as a writer because this um she she calls (laughs) my other writings porn (laughs) She calls it porn. porn. Uh, she said she could. She felt like this. Yeah, she. A lot of people call it porn. Like a lot of people. Um, Nina is a story that most people cannot. Sorry, I was having difficulty um, there for a second. Like you were going in and out and then my computer is just like busy, 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 busy. Sorry, we can't. Um, Yeah, so like I was saying, every um, story, every character, um, 
it has somebody's daughter attached to it. Um, it's always going to be somebody that I have dealt with, somebody that I've come across in passing, or just somebody that, you know, I've seen randomly out and about on, you know, social media or what, what have you. Um, my older stories are usually going to be about somebody that I've dealt with in my personal life. And um, those stories, you know, somebody's daughter is out there. Um, the people um, know who they are about those stories, but I'm a writer that um, I have to write about something that's dear to my heart. Um, I can't just develop characters um, off that because that's that's why it's so personable and that's how people can envision themselves in it because it's actually written about you know actual people so uh that's that's how i sit down and write <laughs> thank you so 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 much drew that is it for today's show i want to thank drew again for sharing a bit of themselves today and for the technical issues we were having. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here and just chatting with us today. I think this was like a fabulous conversation. And then again, it just had so many different messages of, um, of inspiration and just things that people really needed to hear. They didn't know they needed to hear it, but they needed to hear it. Like they needed to hear you say those wonderful things. Well, thank you for having me, and um, it's been a pleasure doing this interview. And as always, you know, I'm just here to spread love and light to everyone. However, you know, the universe wants to use me, I'm good to go. Drew, how do people contact you? How do they keep in touch with you um, offline or, or when, you know, when this interview is over? How do, how do people follow you and keep in contact with you and, and be a part of what it is that you're doing? So um, you can find me on Instagram at Weird Simba. That's we, uh, Weird Dot Simba. Um, you can find me also on Instagram at Amor underscore Jomei. That's A M O R underscore J O M E I. Um, you can also find me at Amor Jomei um, dot com. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Amor, Jomay, Ramiel on there. Um, any social media, add me. You know, I'll speak back, send me a message. Um, I'm all about engaging with my followers and, you know, just, you know, just being a listening ear or, you know, voice of reason, whatever it is that you need from me. I got you. Thank you so, so much. And thank you to this week's artist, Sarah the Instrumentalist. Next week, we're going to have a chat with young adult writer, D.L. Stems. Everyone take care and bye-bye.